Welcome to the eLaborate Topics Podcast, where we focus on lab-specific strategies for medical laboratory professionals. We're proud to be the healthcare detectives that work behind the scenes to get the results needed to influence medical decisions. Let's grow together and jump right into the lab. Welcome to Elaborate Topics. I am your host, Lona Small, Stephanie Whitehead, and Tywana Wilson. And Elaborate Topics is a weekly podcast where we come to you to give you topics and tools to help you to excel both inside and outside the lab. And today I'm excited about our topic. We're talking about creating the work environment for better staff retention. And just to define a little bit about employee retention, it's really a strategy or a plan to reduce employee turnover. And it's usually a responsibility by the organization to keep talented employees. Um, so usually it's best to or, to foster a positive work environment and promote engagement. And although engagement is not the main reason for retention, that's a big factor. And so according to Gallup, 85% of employees are not engaged or they're not actively or they're actively disengaged. So that's really a big group of people that's not engaged. And so there are different methods, different strategies that can be used to engage our staff or to retain our staff. And in terms of responsibility, Gallup thinks that 70% of any kind of variance when it comes to engagement is the responsibility of the manager. And there's a lot that's um, actually on the manager's um, shoulder but based on some of the questions that are asked from the employees, 70% of these factors lie with the manager. The manager has a big responsibility, but there are so many other factors. Um, there are some questions that when it comes to engagement, um, I have a friend at work, or I have materials to do my job. So having a friend at work is very important. So there's some responsibility that leaks down to the team. So being able to support other team members, being able to create that environment of um, either safety, being supportive is so important. And what we're seeing is that the way we used to do things in order to keep staff is totally different. Nowadays, a lot of staff, they're actually looking for development, personal development. So as a manager, it's going to be so important to be equipped with tools to help to coach, to help to grow your staff. So a lot of the job satisfaction has to do with that. So people are saying that they want purpose and they want meaning and they want to be known for what makes them unique. So it's so important for uh, managers to be aware of things like those, how they're building relationships 
with their their team, how the team as a whole, they're working together. And so these are some of the things that we need to consider. Um, what, who are responsible for these um, retention? Who is responsible for staff engagement? And when I look at it, it's really mostly the manager. It's partly the team members and the organization structure that is set up based on your mission and your vision. So when you're thinking of retention, think about that. Think about the team that you have. Who are the people that you're hired on your team? What's the culture that you have? And think of it in a holistic way when you're thinking of engaging your staff. So Taiwana and Stephanie, what do you think in terms of staff engagement. I know, um, Taiwana, you know, you talk about um, why is it really, really important, especially now for the lab. Um, you can um, talk about that, but is there anything that in terms of who is responsible that you'd want to piggyback on based on that? I agree with what you said, Lona. Everybody's responsible for staff engagement. I know a lot of times we want to put it uh, on one person, especially when we have those engagement surveys that seem to be the responsibility of the manager uh, of following up on metrics and things like that. But really, the engagement of the staff is really a team effort. Everybody needs to uh, participate and, and that in making it an environment where people want to come to work. You spend the majority of your time at work away from your family. When I think about, you know, my day and commute and the time that I spend, I spend more time at work than at home. It, it, at least it seems that way uh, with my husband and daughter. And so you want to come to an environment where you definitely uh, want to be engaged, where you want to be happy, and where is going to be uh, an environment that's inclusive. Stephanie, you have anything that came to mind as Lona was talking? Absolutely. I think uh, I agree with you both. You know, although many studies, like Lona said, um, will show you that the direct manager or the direct supervisor um, overseeing an employee's performance has the greatest impact on their engagement. Um, and many times when a phlebotomist or a technologist leaves your organization and goes to another organization for the exact same position, um, oftentimes they're not leaving the job they're not leaving your organization, they're leaving their boss. And so, um, again, we want to do all that we can in management to, to ensure that we're creating and fostering and developing an environment where everybody can be successful and do the things that they need to do. However, we also want to make sure that as individuals, we're taking ownership of our energy, we're taking ownership of our words, and that we are being responsible for um, the output and the culture that we are contributing to uh, in the laboratory environment. Absolutely. And then when I think about this in regards to retaining our staff, and it is vital, especially in today's laboratories. As we all know, now more than ever, we are definitely seeing that shortage. We're seeing an increase in staff retirements without the prepared talent to move up into some of the positions that our former laboratorians held. And so we're seeing that where we are having that 
where we need to do a better job with our retaining our staff, just because the people who have been around who have had that historical knowledge of the organization are now decided that it's time for them to move on to their, their next chapter in life. Again, talking about the staffing shortages and finding qualified and prepared talent to move into all all roles of the laboratory. So whether it's our, our front-end teams, our phlebotomy, our processing, whether it's our technical assistants or our technical staff, our, our techs, we are finding it very difficult to be able to retain talent. Let's face it, if you are a tech today, you have options. And it might not have been in that case, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, but now you have options. If Lab A is not meeting your needs, then Lab B probably has an opening, or Lab C, that's 15 minutes away, uh, may have an opening as well. So it's very important that we're able to retain our staff. And why wouldn't we think about it? You spend all of that time training, depending on your organization, the training uh, plan could be anywhere from eight weeks to 12 weeks to 16 weeks, some places uh, three to six months. And you spend that time training and then making sure the staff is competent only to have them walk out of the door. <clears throat> and so that's energy that your staff is putting into that hire, and we want to make sure that we're able to keep them because it does bring the morale down when you spend all of that time and effort pouring into a new team member only to see them walk out of the door. And then we're finding a limited skill set, as Lona mentioned earlier, especially in some of our advanced leadership roles. So if we think about our lead technologist roles, we think about our supervisors, managers, our directors, unfortunately, healthcare has not always done a great job, and especially in the lab of succession planning. So we may not have a prepared person ready to assume those roles. So what happens, you've been here, you've been committed, you've been dedicated, you've been a great tech, and so we are going to promote you up. And here it is, you move into a role that you were not prepared for, you don't feel comp confident or competent in. And so you got into that role and now, you know, because of your abilities, uh, there could be some uh, retaining issues with your team. And so now more than ever, it is critical for us as laboratorians, as leadership, as team members to all contribute to being able to keep our, our teammates. Because again, we know if we're sure what happens, that workload comes back on everybody. And at the end of the day, we are there for our patients, and we do what we need to do to make sure we are providing quality patient care and being able to give those lab results so that our colleagues, our physician colleagues, our nurses, so that they are able to take care of our patients with certainty based off of our data. And so that's why I think it's so, so critical now more than ever to retain staff, to talk about the industry, to get people into our environments and keep them and let them know that what we do is important and that this is a good field to be in. It, it is a good career. Our labs are great. Stephanie, you have anything to add 
or any thoughts? And, and Lona, what, are, what do you think about, you know, why it's so vital, especially today, to be able to keep our, our team? You know, when I think about right now with the limited number of skilled um, medical lab um, professionals that we have, and based on what I'm hearing, some of the schools, the training programs are closing, and many times for growth, people are looking to develop themselves. So if there's no opportunity for them to move to the next level where they feel as if there's chance to stay, they're looking at other professions. So it's so important because of our limited number of um, skilled professionals to find ways to keep the ones we have, find, find opportunity for growth, find opportunity for instead of going outside to maybe look for consultants who are probably not medical lab um, professionals who don't understand the job to develop the ones that we have and keep them within so that we don't lose what we already have um, limited um, numbers. Um, and we're talking about retention, but there's a whole nother um, episode that we could um, talk about in terms of just getting new professionals. But based on where we are now, it's really vital to keep the ones we have and make sure we're developing them. Well, you know, this podcast, we talk about um, helping uh, our listeners excel inside and outside of the laboratory. And so I think we've done um, all a great job of under helping the listeners understand why it is so vitally important that we retain the staff that we have in our laboratories, um, whether it just be so we can get to a point where we're not continuously in orientation and training mode and people are, are working short and working overtime to try to fill in shifts, or if it's because you know, we're we're working in a specialized field like cytology or HLA where it's really hard to come across those skills um, and, you know, we really want to make sure that we maintain those, those individuals in our laboratories so we can continue to perform um, to the level that our patients and our clinicians need us to perform at. But at this point, you know, let's get into some actionable items, some things that the listeners can walk away from and write down and take notes and, you know, try to implement these in your environment. Now, this is a topic where we could talk, you know, longer than we have in this podcast. And so um, make sure that you go out and find any other resources that you can uh, to help you and your teams be successful in this area. But we're just going to give you a few tips that we know from our, our years in the laboratory profession and in management and working alongside different types of teams and things that have worked for us. So the first tip I have on um, ways that we can encourage better retention and better engagement in our apartments, and this um, really is targeted to um, if you're in management or if you're an informal leader in your laboratory, but any anyone can take some of these tips and work with your teams to implement them. And so the first one is ensure that your onboarding process helps ensure that the employees understand the organization that they're working for in the laboratory that they're working in. You know, somebody's first, you know, 
15, 30 days, 60 days into an organization, you know, they're really still trying to make the decision, was this a good decision, was this a good leap? You know, and and I'm sure if you're listening and you can think about your first day on a job, you are excited. You've spent so many weeks preparing to go to this new job. You go to orientation. You are geared up to learn. And so we want the organization, your team, to be just as excited for that new employee as they are to join your team. So when they come on, you know, in your orientation packet or somewhere during that training period, remind them why it was a good decision to join your laboratory team. You know, think about the things about your laboratory that are unique or special and incorporate those things into your orientation packet. Uh, I know for my laboratory, um, we work at an academic teaching hospital, and so I incorporate that that um, verbiage into our orientation about the benefit of working alongside fellows and residents and attendings about the the really rich learning environment that we have here that you may not get at another private uh, laboratory. The pathologists are always engaging and teaching and learning and helping you understand the background and the methodology behind different tests. And so you really get a lot of experience here that will be um, way more depth than you might get, like I said, in other laboratories, and really great experience working in an academic environment. So in your laboratory, does your organization have really great benefits? Um, like I said, in my organization, I, I tend to talk up, you know, our, our health care for those who may have kids, and that's really important, um, you know, but we have a lot of other benefits. Do you get discounts at a gym or at a phone company? You know, make sure that employees understand why it was a great decision to join your laboratory, to join your hospital. Um, and then as you're talking about that, Talk about what exactly it is um, about their particular position that helps fulfill the overall company's mission or goal. And by me, by that, you know, take some time, like I said, in that orientation and training process to really explain to the employee how their achievements will help the overall goal. Everybody wants to know how they fit into the bigger plan, how they fit into the bigger picture. So if you're a phlebotomist, when you have great patient satisfaction scores, how does that help drive the overall companies, you know, bottom line. If I'm a technologist, how do my great turnaround times help, you know, our chest pain accreditation or our stroke accreditation when I'm turning out my troponins within 40 minutes or less? How does that help the company's overall goal? And so people have a feel of how they fit into the bigger picture and they're not just pushing verify on, you know, on a on a computer and just verifying results. Um, like we said before, you know, that direct supervisor or if you are just a person who's been in the laboratory a long time, like Lona said, people like to have friends at work. You spend so much time at work. So make sure that we're establishing a connection with those employees as they onboard. And, you know, we can, the employee is most influenced by the people that they're working around and the people that they work for. And so make sure you try to establish connection with the person. If you see them, you know, going to lunch, maybe sitting by themselves, they're the new kid you're on the block for, uh, you know, lack of a better word. So, you know, maybe sit with them or, you know, maybe, you know, give them a tour if they're looking a little bit lost. You know, just pay attention and be prepared when they come on board. So many times, you know, we've had new people and, 
uh, laboratories can get so busy that you're just not prepared. You don't have all of their logins. You don't know where their locker is going to be. Um, you don't really have their packet ready. You don't know who's going to train them that day. You just sit them in a, in, in a computer or in a conference room and say, read these procedures. But like I said, this employee has been preparing to start in your organization, in your laboratory for a while. They were probably nervous, you know, and, and really wanting to be on time for that first day so they could make a great impression. So, you know, you guys as a team try to make a great impression on that employee also. The next point I have is make sure that your employees know what is expected of them. And so so often, you know, when we don't know what's expected of us as an employee and we have unclear expectations, that just creates confusion. It creates miscommunication. Is that your job or is that my job? And it just creates unnecessary stress. So, like I said, a lot of times people don't leave their job. Um, because they go right up the street to another hospital, A, B, or C, like Tawana said, for the same position. So they're leaving their manager. So it's our job to make sure that when employees come on, the expectation for them is clear. Their job role is clear. You're working day shift. You're starting in the chemistry section on, you know, the the, the automation machine. You're responsible for centaur maintenance. The job role, the job expectation for this employee is clear. Um, make sure that you're working with your human resources department to make sure their earnings is clear. You know, we want to make sure they know exactly, you know, if they're supposed to get a shift diff, if they're supposed to get on-call pay, overtime pay, um, how to get those dollars and cents that they feel like might be owed to them, if there are policies and procedures or a handbook that all of that is spelled out and they have gotten a copy of that, maybe even signed it and you, you've gotten a copy of their signature so you can acknowledge that they they understand their pay. Um, is there an expectation to work weekends? Is there an expectation to work every other weekend or rotate? Make sure that they understand their um, job role and their expectation to the team. And if there is a change in that expectation, so say you have a project going on, you know, we've, we've had conversations before on these roundtables about um, inspections, readiness, um, LIS, go lives. And so if there is an expectation um, to a change in schedule or an expectation of working off shifts or coming on on, on weekends or off hours or, um, you know, eliminating PTO for this time frame so we can all work hands on deck to get this project done. Make sure that those things are clarified for those employees. I would say also make sure that there's a platform in your um, department or in your section for employees to speak their mind and to give feedback on things that need to be improved or, or, pro, or processes that they feel like need to be improved. We just want to make sure that employees feel like we are soliciting their ideas and that we're also providing feedback. Now, this isn't a funnel for people to come and complain, you know, but honestly, if you are – if you're working the bench and you really feel like your day, your job role could be easier if X, Y, and Z were to happen, if the staplers were moved from this point to that point, or if there were simply a phone at this workstation, or if you move the workstation two steps down, it would you know, really improve our workflow processes. We want the employees to have a, a way to funnel that feedback um, so we can continuously be improving um, the things that, that would make their workday better. And impact their workday. 
we just had a roundtable previously talking about diversity, so making sure that as management and even as tenured technologists in the laboratory that we're allowing everybody to use their talents and skills in our department. We want to make sure that everybody has the tools that we need to give them to succeed. And so um, our people you know, being able to, if they're really tech savvy, work on, you know, LIS builds or different reports or, you know, making things electronic that are on paper, or if people are really skilled at creating great environments and throwing parties, maybe you maybe put that person over the celebration of the anniversaries or the celebration of when a, a technologist gets their certification. Just make sure that you are understanding other people's skills and talents and that they're able to foster that. Um, when they're able to come to work every single day. A couple of things that I've done in, in my own particular laboratory, um, because so many things are on perception, um, is make sure that you are always um, fostering the perception of fair and equitable treatment with your employees and investing in their well-being. And so even during COVID times where people have so many things going on personally at home um, as well as professionally at work, making sure that you're just providing ways to show that you're invested in people's well-being, um, whether that be, you know, having somebody maybe come to your huddles and talk about retirement planning or financial wellness or things that are non-laboratory specific and non-technical that just have their mind thinking about other things. Or I'll, I'll tell you another uh, situation we have um, in our cytology department. We talk about really skilled um, employees that we need to retain. Um, we, ha we hired a new cytotechnologist, and he's extremely tall, just extremely tall, you know, well over 6'5". And so sitting at a typical desk looking through a microscope was very uncomfortable for this employee. And so we implemented an ergonomic assessment to see, you know, how could we get a desk that or, or a lift that would raise up and down so he would be comfortable in his workstation. Imagine if we just expected him to work here for years and years and years and that uncomfortable feeling and, you know, maybe he started having back problems and all those things, started having to have days off or maybe even take FMLA for back issues. So make sure that you're just giving people the tools that they need, if it's proper lighting, um, if it's, you know, um, like I said, ergonomic assessments, if it's um, squeezy balls for just carpal tunnel people who may have to write or type a lot, a lot. Make sure that we're just, you know, being aware of what our employee needs and we're, and we're investing in them. Um, the last point that I have that are ways to help encourage better retention is understanding why people are leaving. So if your organization, if your human resources department is doing exit interviews or if you are conducting any type of conversations as people turn in their resignations to leave, analyze, you know, your attrition rate and to try to understand why people are leaving so you can improve on those things where you can. You know, you may not be able to improve on everything. Some people may just have true life situations there in the military or, you know, they truly are going back to school to better themselves. But if people, are, a lot of people are leaving because of the schedule, because of pay, because of the environment, because of the culture, um, try to understand those things but, so you can make um, changes. You know, we want to act quickly, but know that some of those things might be an ongoing process. But just make sure that you are um, aware of what your environment is at all times and so you can make those changes. Sometimes people may be leaving because there was very little recognition. So 
you know, um, there is a saying that says those that drink water must remember who dug the well. Are you having a way to recognize your employees, to show appreciation for hard work where hard work is due? Um, you know, you may not be able to show value with bonuses and, you know, with COVID times, pizza parties and potlucks may not be always the option. But there are small ways and you can easily look up online or Google different ways to show appreciation um, virtually and celebrate the small wins in your areas. We've done a lot of conversation about um, the benefits of bringing of uh, having better staff retention. So, you know, have any of you guys, Taiwan or Alona, worked on um, projects in your department to improve your staff retention? And what were some of the benefits that you guys saw from that? Yes, we have. And you, Stephanie, you always have such great tips and takeaways for our listeners. So thank you so much. I mean, you give a plethora of ways. So listeners, if you did not pick up on all of those ways that Stephanie presented, make sure you go back and listen to this podcast because Stephanie always drops plenty of gems that, that I write down. So what one of the things that uh, my particular organization did to retain staff, and, and really they started with management, and one of the biggest complaints, especially that came up in our employee engagement surveys from our managers was that, well, we don't feel prepared and we, you know, are having and having struggle or having, you know, a little bit of turmoil trying to lead. And that came out within their staff as well. And so the organization took a step back and said, well, what can we do to really develop our managers so that they can be successful and lead in the organizations and lead in the teams across our multiple sites? And the organization invested in a program, a leadership uh, program, online uh, electronic management system, prior learning that they invested for all of the managers, leader, members of the management team to be able to have access to for a year. And inside of that program, there are on-demand courses. There are live or virtual live courses that managers can take from leadership to Microsoft Office programs to project management. And what we have seen is that the managers are very intentional about making time to participate in those programs that are offered through Fred Pryor, and they're starting to really feel empowered. I heard one manager say she took the Excel classes. She said, well, I'm already putting this into practice. I'm learning pivot tables, and I'm learning how to make our data look beautiful by using Excel. And that was because the organization invested in making sure there was access for all of, of the members of the management team. And in turn, the team or the staff are starting to see those benefits because their their managers are now more in tune. There were certain classes that the organization recommended, like conflict management, project management, uh, how to be a new supervisor or developing your management skills that everyone was required or is required to take before the year's over. But just hearing from team members, I could definitely tell that it, it's making a difference. So when organizations start to invest in their employees and the personal development, you can really see that now those 
managers are are excited again and they are wanting to stay in their roles because we did have a time where people were in these leadership roles and just so overwhelmed that they were looking to go back to the bench. They were looking to move into roles that they felt were less stressful because they weren't as prepared. So you, you start to see it from the top down in regards to the benefits and the staff retention. Just, you know, that one example. There are several that I could talk about, but that was one that I really felt like the organization listened and started pouring into the team, and now the team is starting to reap the benefits of that. I mean, obviously, like we said before, when you have continuous um, staff retention and when you're focusing on that, just like you're focusing on your budget, just like you're focusing on your turnaround time and you're capping your, you know, other regulatory inspections, um, when we're focusing on how to actively retain our staff and getting out of that cycle of continuous recruitment training orientation, that is so honestly just taxing on your staff. If you are a tech working the bench right now or if you're in management, you can remember working the bench, you know, it slows the process down. Even though we love, you know, our our new technologists and we appreciate our new employees and we want new employees on our team, you know, it is taxing on the, the more experienced technologists to continuously be in a process of training. And that could be an area of dissatisfaction too, to have experienced technologists that are continuously having to train um, that can honestly be stressful to a department, especially if you're working in a department that is already innate to stress, like uh, the blood bank. You know, the blood bank having massive transfusions or just really working in an already stressful environment to continuously be in a mode of training um, can tax out your employees. And so there are a lot of benefits to just making to making sure that we retain our staff. And if you think about it, it not just in the laboratory, but think about it if you go to a restaurant and every every waiter in the restaurant is brand new. How is your service going to be? How prolonged is your your wait for your check when you're done with your meal? How prolonged is it going to be for you to get your meal if everybody in the kitchen is brand new? Um, and so the service to the customer, whether you work at a restaurant or a laboratory, if you work at the bank, the service to your customers is so much better when you've got employees working that know the routine, that know the process, that know the organization, have been there a while. Um, and so you, you just, you're, as a customer, you just have a better experience. There are less errors, um, and we're able to shift, like I said, from focusing on continuous recruitment and training orientation to shift towards, you know, process improvement and making things better and making things leaner and making things more efficient. Any closing points, ladies, before um, I, we could talk about this all day, I'm sure, you know, because this is something, um, like I said, we've had several other episodes on how to retain, you know, medical technologists and the workforce shortages and uh, ways to think outside of the box to um, keep people engaged. And so, like I said, we, we could have so many parts and different series to this conversation. But any closing thoughts? Yeah, so, you know, when we talk about, I just, you know, when we talk about benefits and even how we can actually make this happen, I think about the patient safety aspect of it. And I know it's so important for others to make sure that they're 
their other team members are actually doing quality work. And so for us, we did a patient safety survey or cultural safety survey. And when we identified a lot of patient safety issues, what we did, we did a debriefing. So we actually allowed the staff to come up with solutions to help to create that environment where they felt safe, where they felt that they were actually doing quality work. So it's so important to get staff involved when it comes to these solutions so that they themselves will help you to know what is it that will help them to feel safe and want to stay. So that's a great benefit when it comes to staff morale. So when you improve those, um, when you take some of those um, methods that Stephanie gave us about ways to encourage these staff, better staff retention, that also brings um, a better morale for your staff. It reduces a lot of cost when it comes to recruitment and other things. So it's not only just saving money, but it's creating that environment where everyone is happy and you want to continue to work. So I think it's, it's just so much benefit that we get out of that that um, it's just the best thing to do. Well, as always, to all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in and checking out this very interesting episode of Elaborate Topics podcast with your host, myself, Stephanie Whitehead, Lona Small, and Tywana Wilson. Please leave us a comment. We'd like to hear more from you all on this topic, things that you've done to uh, increase the engagement and help retain your staff. Or if you're struggling, you know, let us know what, what aspects you're struggling with and maybe we can help give you some specialized tips that might work for your teams in your laboratory. If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more of our shows, be sure to subscribe to our podcast at directimpactbroadcasting.com or on your favorite podcast platform. Remember to send us an email at elaboratetopics at directimpactbroadcasting.com to learn more about this topic, to learn more about us as co-hosts, or just to be a guest on the show. Please tune in next week to hear another amazing episode of the Elaborate Topics podcast, and until then, have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Elaborate Topics, where your hosts discuss relevant strategies for laboratory professionals. Please subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and listen to us on directimpactbroadcasting.com. Stay tuned for another episode with information you can use to excel in your laboratory career.